Hello and welcome to this week's edition of the Politically Speaking Podcast. I'm your host, Chris McDaniel, a reporter with St. Louis Public Radio. Joining me in studio is... Jason Rosenbaum. And... Joe Manis. And our special guest this week... Paul Whelan. Very good. This is one of the more contentious races that people will be seeing in November, well, if not the most yes. contentious Any race which which is called the Battle for Jeffco is probably not going to be a picnic. But then again, I'm the only person calling it that. So Yeah, this, is, this is for the state Senate. Representative Wheeland um, is from Imperial. That's correct. correct. Yeah. And he's competing against Representative Jeff Rorta, who's from Barnhart. Who and we this, will have on the podcast uh, yes, very soon. Yes. In fact, he's going to be on the next show. And uh, we've this this state senate race is considered definitely the most combative, probably competitive rather in the St. Louis metro area, if not the state. And this will probably rival at some point the county executive race in St. Louis County, as far as uh, people paying attention. And the state Republican Party has already poured in some money into this race. And Jeffco people are going to get a lot of mailers if they haven't already. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. Sure. Before we get into okay. the race, let's have okay. you talk a little yes. bit about your current district right. and sure. what you represent. Sure. Currently, I represent the 112th district, which covers uh, Imperial, parts of Barnhart, over in the High Ridge, and part of, um, and of course, House Springs, kind of between the two. Um, I got involved in politics um, back in 1994. My wife and I were expecting our first child, and I was watching something on television, and I forget, you know, who it was or what they said, but it kind of dawned on me that I'm bringing kids into this world. I need to get involved in the community. So, um, my wife and I are both Catholic, went to St. Joseph's Catholic School, or in church, and I actually went to school there and went to St. Pius High School. And um, at a church fish fry the next week, I happened to come across um, my state representative at that time, John Seltzer, who I'd never met, but I knew who he was. And I asked him, um, I said, I want to get more involved in the community. Do you have any ideas how to do that? Well, he said, come over to my house next week. We'll sit down and talk. And so we went and met with him, and I didn't know it at that time, but he was trying to find out, I guess, where I was at on the political spectrum. At the end of that conversation, he said, well, I'll support you running for any office that you want, but could I suggest that you run for state representative? And um, so my wife and I said, well, we'll have to think about it. And we went home and we talked about it and prayed about it. And I kind of just thought, this is an opportunity I can't pass up. So three days, and before we left John, we said, how long do we have to decide? And he said, filing closes in three days. So three days later, I go to Jeff City, and it's the first time I was ever in the Capitol. And, now, this is know, this is when, 1994? 1994, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, first time I ever was in the Capitol, walked through all those cavernous halls and find John Seltzer's office, and went in and said, John, I said, I'm here to file for office. And he said, great, did you bring your $50 with you? And I said, John, you didn't say nothing about $50. <laughs> and at that point in time, I had maybe 6 $7 in my pocket. So <laughs> we went door to door amongst all the offices, collecting a few dollars here, a few dollars there, got our $50 and ran for office. Um, and we didn't know anything, my wife and I, at that point in time. And we just worked hard and did what everybody told us to do, that you have to do to win a race. And we won the race in 94. And who, I was, yeah, who'd you, who did you defeat? Uh, it was a lady named Lynn Polster Okay, was the, my opponent in that race. And um, so we were able to serve in the legislature. At that point in time, the Republicans were a minority. We had 76 members. Um, and it really taught you a lot, I think, when you're in a minority, how the legislative process works, what you can do, what you can't do. And um, so that was a very good experience for me. 
So then fast forward to 1996. Meanwhile, my wife has one child. We have another child. Now we have two in diapers. Okay, so now at some point you you left the state house. That's what I'm. He's, that's about, what, he's about, about to explain why. Okay, yeah, okay, yeah. go ahead. Um, Ninety six was a good Democratic year, and the district I had ran in was about a fifty five percent Democrat district, and I lost the reelection in ninety six. Who did you lose to? That I lost to Kate Hollingsworth. Okay, yeah. Um, but I always kid people and say, well, we had two babies in diapers, and my wife was out there campaigning for um, Kate Hollingsworth instead of campaigning for me because <laughs> she wanted me to stay home. So. Um, over the years, she, she knows that my passion was politics, and we both enjoyed doing it. And over the years, I did a lot of things locally, served on a lot of boards. For eight years, I was chairman of the county health department board, which was an elected position. And um, come around to 2010, she had always said, when you get a business, that help pay the bills, you know, so we don't have to rely on the political income. And the daughters at least have a permit to drive a car, so I don't have to drive them everywhere. Then you can run for office again. Well, that happened in 2010. So what's your business? Right now, we have um, a small insurance agency. Uh, it's called Wheeland Insurance Group, which basically is her and I, which during the campaign is her. And um, <laughs> it's over in High Ridge, and we just do property casualty insurance. It's a small mom-and-pop type business. So let's go talk a little bit more about 2010. 2010 okay. was you versus rep- then-representative Jeff Rorta. Right. Jeff Rorta actually had no opponent in 2008, like many people in Jeffco. Right. And back then, Jeffco was still almost uniformly democratic, both on a state legislative level and probably to some extent on a local level. So what was kind of it like in that campaign? And did you have any idea that this red wave was about to crest over over Jefferson County? Yeah, I could. I, I, I think we could see it coming. It, um, the um, people say, what changed in Jefferson County? Well, they closed the Chrysler plant in Fenton which displaced a lot of workers. I mean, our small agency, I said, we're really small. We lost over 10 customers that called us up and said, we're selling the house, we're moving to another state because they were transferred. Um, so there was a big displacement of people. And then the Obama presidency wasn't resonating in Jefferson County. I mean, you couldn't go to a grocery store or to a gas station without hearing people grumbling. So you could see it coming. Um, we were fortunate enough to have a lot of candidates file for office 2010, and the results were better than I expected, but I had I fully expected to win, and I thought a lot of people would win, but there were a lot of people that won that I I was just surprised at won. Like who? I'm not going to name names. <laughs> <laughs> but, well, you, fast forward, you, you defeated uh, Representative Rorta. Right. Um, so you, you won election back to the House, and Representative Rorta actually ran in a different district in 2012, and you ran in a different district. You both won. So it's the rare example, not so rare actually anymore. It actually has become somewhat somewhat common where two people who ran against each other are serving in the legislature at the same time. So my big question is, you know, what was your relationship like in the House knowing that you had run against each other before and you probably knew you were going to run against each other again in the Senate race? Was it acrimonious? Was it just sort of like, well, you you're, you've kind of been in this game a long time, so you can play nice with each other. What's it kind of been like? Well, on a personal level, I think me and Jeff have always gotten along well. Um, in fact, right now, he is my state legislator because the way they did redistricting so late, they actually drew me out of the 112th, and I live in the 113th. Mm. So when the election, but it was, they did that after the filing for offices was already done. So what I was, I was able to run for my old seat even though I lived in the 113th. Um, but me and Jeff have always gotten along well. Um, it just, you know, I guess I can speak for myself. I can't really speak for Jeff, but you know, politics is a business that we've chosen to be in. Um, it's competitive nature. 
Um, but at the same time, that doesn't mean people can't be civil and friendly to each other. Mm-hmm. And I've never had I any. Mean, I think we get along fine. Mm-hmm. Okay. Since he's your state rep, do you send him a lot of uh, angry mail, constituent services, that sort of thing? No, I, I pretty much <laughs> I get I get enough of that on my own that I fear I won't burden him. So let's kind of talk about this state senate race because, as Joe alluded to, it is it is probably one of the most, if not the most, competitive in the state. It might be the most competitive race of any sort in the entire state from as far a state as legislative, le- yeah. state legislative level, because the auditor's race is not very competitive. Um, why did you decide to run for this seat, given that I guess you could have served two more years if you would have run for re-election? And what do you think is at stake in this particular contest? Okay, well, um, why I decided to run was um, twofold. I looked at, you know, the potential people to run for the state Senate, and I thought I had the best countywide name ID, um, and I had lived in the county the longest and knew the most people. Um, what helped me make that decision was, as I said, they drew me out of the state Senate seat. So if I was going to run for my final term as a House member, I would have had to run in the 113th district, which was 95% new territory than what I had was I, I was representing. So um, And the other option would be to move into the 112th, which doesn't make a lot of sense to pick up your household, sell your house, and move literally across the street. That's how close the line was. Um, so I decided that, you know, the Senate would be where I would, you know, run next. Um, I was fortunate that once we made that decision, we started calling different people in Jefferson County, the Republicans, and asked them for their support, and we got overwhelming support from everyone, um, which is evident by the fact we didn't have a primary. So um, it was just kind of, it seemed like the right thing to do at the right time. So at this point, um, how do you see things in the in the contest. So far, you and Rorta, I think, have been focusing mainly on raising money yeah, and maybe going door to door. Doing the door to door and being out in the community. Um, I'll go to dozens of things every every week. I mean, um, what do you see as the key issues in the different? The key districts? issues, I think, really boil down to economic growth. I mean, are, are we have still not recovered from the crash of two thousand eight? We have people down there who are not making the kind of income that they did before 2008. We have people that have lost homes. Um, we see that in our insurance agency. Before 2008, we had, um, and it was like you would have people that were insured. They had new cars. They had boats. They had motorcycles. They had lake houses. Now we've got the same people. They're, you know, they've gotten rid of the new cars. They've got older cars. They've gotten rid of the toys, the boats, and the motorcycles. Um, and you can tell they're just the economy is depressed, and there's not enough money that people can do the things that they want to do. So, um, my main focus has been trying to create more economic opportunities in Jefferson County to create family sustaining jobs where people can make a decent living and get back to where they were before 2008. What's your prescription? Um, I think the big thing we need to work on is the port in Jefferson County. I think that's something that I've been working on since I got back into the legislature is um, there's a tremendous potential down there that um, we have the potential to become the largest inland port in in the United States. And the jobs that they're talking about being able to put in there, um, just the construction jobs alone, they're talking it could be a 20-year build-out to build out what we could build out. And then long-term jobs after the construction jobs, we're talking five or 6,000 jobs. And these are good-paying jobs. What, what would it take from the state government in order for that to happen? What I think there needs to be um, cooperation from the state and the federal. And I think what the best thing the state can do is to help fund it, which we were able to do the last two 
budget years, we were able to get a half a million dollars appropriated to Jefferson County Ports. Prior to that, for like the last 20 years, it was under $150,000 that they appropriated from the state for them. But what they can use that money for is to help to develop the infrastructure and to help get the permits and stuff done so that a private business can you know, kind of grease the skids so private money can come flowing in to the area and people are willing to invest their money. Um, when I became chairman of the Missouri Ports Committee, it's fascinating to me that here in the state of Missouri, for every dollar we spend the taxpayers' money developing ports, we get anywhere from 10 to $20 of private money that comes in behind it. So it's, um, it's a great benefit not just for Jefferson County, but to anywhere in the state of Missouri that we can develop our ports. We're centrally located. Um, in Jefferson County's case, we're below any of the locks or dams. So it's a clear shot from you know, our shores until the Gulf of Mexico and then through the Panama Canal and out to the world. So it's... Um, it's a, to me, it's a no-brainer, but we've just got to get all the people in. And we are moving forward. I mean, they've um, they've got a permit to do the um, oh, fleeting, which they've started already. And things are moving ahead, but nothing ever moves as quick as you'd like it to. But I, we are going in the right direction, and I'm encouraged that we will develop that port and we'll have those jobs that we do desperately need. What do you think is the biggest difference between you and your opponent? Because one of besides maybe Medicaid expansion and some education issues, what the one thing I've noticed is you two vote very similarly on a lot of issues. You both have voted for bills restricting abortion. You both voted for bills aiming to bolster gun rights at times. You both, I guess, initially voted for the tax cut, although your opponent have ended up not over overriding at either times. Is it this? Is this an instance between two very similar candidates, or do you see some differences between you two? I think the biggest difference is is that um, I've always been conservative in nature, whether it be fiscally or socially, um, and and Jeff, for the most part, is. And I think that's the difference. There's either. You know, you're either the conservative candidate or you're, for the most part, conservative candidate. And um, and I think that I'm principled. I've always been there. My votes don't necessarily waver from one day to another. You know, if I vote some way, I, I stay on that position. Um, I think that's the biggest difference is just the, I guess, the voting one way and then in veto session voting another way. Are you Were you true to your convictions or were you voting for political gain the first time or were you voting for political gain the second time? I mean, I vote my principles. I'm who I am. I feel comfortable with my positions. Yeah, well, one, but one of the things that you've kind of, you know, transgressed from Republicans is on union issues. I remember there was a vote on right to work where you voted against it along with a lot of Jefferson County people. Is that a conviction thing or is that kind of a, a situation where you represent Jefferson County, which has a lot of union people, and you pretty much have to vote that way or you're not going to get reelected? Well, it's a it's a principal thing, and I would tell you this is the reason why. Um, living in Jefferson County, you have family members who are in the unions, and when I look at the arguments, and there's, I guess, three big ones that I look at. One is right to work. Um, right now, with the immigration policy that we have in the United States, I think right to work is a, a terrible ideal for the state of Missouri. Okay, I think it would just decimate these people that have good family-staining jobs now. Okay, the second one is paycheck protection. I can take that argument and say, if I sell you an insurance policy and you're set up to pay monthly and every month so much money comes out of your account, at the end of the year, your policy will automatically renew and they'll send you an email saying, here's your new rate. I don't have to have you come into my office and sign another piece of paper. So I look at paycheck protection as a way of just trying to aggravate the labor unions and make their business harder to do, um, which I equate that to the insurance business. And then the other big thing 
that um, is a contentious issue is the prevailing wage, which a lot of my Republican colleagues don't understand, but prevailing wage was originally a Republican idea, and it came into the state of Missouri. Now, the problem with prevailing wage isn't so much it's a bad idea. It's just we got to get more of the outstate people to participate in the reporting process. Did you, so. When you voted against Right to Work, did you get a lot of criticism from Republican colleagues and groups? Because I know a lot of other Republicans did, but or were you insulated because— you're from Jefferson County, and it was kind of expected you weren't going to vote on that because of the reasons you just mentioned. As far as constituent um, emails and contacts that I've got, I would say the right-to-work issue was far and away probably 95% of the people opposed right-to-work and maybe 5% of the people supported it. Mm. So if I'm, going to, if I'm going to vote my district and I look at what my people I represent want, it was overwhelmingly one-sided. Mm. Now, you've been in the national news. You even got, you've even been on the Huffington Post <laughs> <Yes> <laughs> because of your the lawsuit right. that you're, you have pushed through. Right now, you, you just had the hearing before the uh, federal appeals court on it. Right. And this lawsuit is against a provision in the Affordable Care Act. Uh, Correct. Uh, although it would affect state policies. I mean, the the bottom line is you get insurance to the state government because of your um, a le- legislative post, and your insurance includes coverage for contraceptives. And what what your suit is contending is that people who, like yourself, who dis- who oppose contraception, shouldn't have to have that in your policy. Is that am I putting that in in the correct pretty context? much? But let, let me give you some context on, okay. on where how we got to the lawsuit. Um, here in the state of Missouri, prior to the year that I filed the lawsuit, um, Missouri has always had an opt-out option. So if you're in the Missouri Consolidated Plan, you could check off a box and say, I don't want to participate for religious or conscious reasons. I don't want to participate in this part of the plan. Okay. Um, we even firmed that up when we passed and we overrode the governor on Senate Bill 749. And I think that was 2010, 2000. Mm-hmm. I'd have to look it up. 2012. 2012. Okay. Um, that was taken to court and ruled unconstitutional, and the attorney general chose not to appeal it. You mean so it was ruled constitutional to have the opt-out clause? No, the the conscious protection clause was ruled unconstitutional Correct. by a federal judge. This was Correct. Senator John Lamping's right. bill, right. Okay. and it was declared unconstitutional, and I don't believe it was ever appealed because uh, the attorney general pretty much said, no, I'm not doing that. That's correct, right. So a short time after that, the Missouri Consolidated Plan Board of Directors met, and they said, enable for us to comply with Obamacare, we have to remove that opt-out and put everybody in the same plan. So I received a letter from the Missouri Consolidated Plan saying you had chosen to opt out of this plan. However, because of the Affordable Care Act, you no longer have that option. We're putting you in this other plan. Okay? That disturbed me because now I, do, you know, I had my plan. I liked my plan. I wasn't able to keep my plan. So I contacted some pro-life lawyers, and they said that because of the fact that we have three daughters and that as a Catholic, one of the first things you do when you baptize a child is you swear that in church that you are going to be the teachers of that child in the faith. And our faith says that contraceptions and abortions destroy a human life. I believe that. And I could not, in good conscience, just go along with the flow and let this go without trying to fight for what I believe is right. So that is when we filed the lawsuit. And the lawsuit, if we prevail, the only thing that's going to happen is the federal government's going to have to allow 
individuals who want to opt out of the contraceptive mandate that option. It's been done before here in Missouri. It's not that complicated of a thing. Um, and that's all that's going to happen. Now, from being on the Huffington Post and other things, I get tons of hate email saying that I'm trying to deprive women of contraceptive coverage all over the United States. That's not what it's about at all. What it's about is it's about me and my family and what we choose to do and give other people's families that same freedom that we had prior to the Affordable Care Act. Yeah, but there's no question, though, that you've gotten a lot of criticism maybe from left-leaning groups and people for involving your family in this lawsuit. And I, get, I, I guess I understand why. I guess it's kind of a means to the end to change the policy. But is it really an appropriate thing for you to include your daughters in this situation? Well, the, the lawsuit has my wife and myself both on there. My wife is totally in agreement with this. Mm-hmm. We talked about it as a family before we decided to file the lawsuit, and they said, would you be willing to be plaintiffs? I asked the family, I said, what do you guys think? And they said, you know, my wife said, that's what we believe. They should not take that right away from us sure. to teach our children the way we want. My daughters all said, we agree with you. I mean, they they don't have any issues with it at all. So uh, now, A, did the getting rid of the uh, opt-out, clause did that change your insurance rates i it was very minimal i i want to say it may have been a dollar or two one way or the other okay the the cost it wasn't wasn't a driving fact the the principle of having that religious conscious opt-out is more important to me than the dollar i mean i would to tell you i pay fifty dollars more if i didn't have to provide for abortion inducing drugs it would be worth that to me do you know what i'm saying so the cost isn't really a factor now it, whether you have the coverage or not, since your daughters agree with you as far as the religious aspects of this, you don't expect them to be taking contraception. Am I correct? Anyway, I don't expect them to, but that's their decision. Right. But the you, the question my wife and I have is: Should we, as parents, provide this to them um, when it's against the the tenets of our faith? And we're saying, if you were, um, uh, let's say, if you were a, a Jewish person. Would you mandate that the family would have to have access to to pork and bacon? I mean, I don't think that the government would mandate that to happen. But with Catholics, there's no problem mandating things that are against our religion. I just want to say for the record, I like pork and bacon, but I wouldn't well, want to I mandate it. Well, Jason, <laughs> <laughs> but that's he, another issue. But here's here's another question: Why? I, I understand again. I understand what you're doing, and I understand that this is a means the end to change policy. But as far as a practical level, why do you even need to be on the state plan? Why couldn't you just get like a private plan through your business and kind of rectify this all together? Or could that not be possible? Well, at the time, and, and things may have changed now, but at the time we filed the lawsuit, one of the first things that I did, since I do sell insurance for a living, and I'm licensed to ca- sell health insurance, now I've stopped attempting to sell health insurance after the passage of Obamacare because a friend of mine that I refer the business to has to spend 20 hours a week trying to keep up on all the changes. And I said, you know what, enough of that. I'm good with houses and cars, and I'll send you all that business. But we contacted him, and we said, I want to buy a plan on the open market that does not include contraceptive coverage. And he shopped around. He came back. He said, it doesn't exist. You can't do that. That's illegal. You have to include the contraceptive coverage. So it was like it didn't matter if it was a Missouri consolidated plan or if I went out in the free market and found a plan. I still had those mandates put upon me. Now, has this become an issue in your race at all, the, um, the lawsuit? Not, I don't think really. Not, not like a big issue. I mean, I think the economics of the area is still what's driving 
you know, the, the number one issue people are concerned about. Of course, the pro-life community and the Catholics understand and respect what I'm doing. And, they, um, and I get admiration, I guess, from them as far as being able to stand up in front and take this challenge on. Um, but as far as people that aren't involved in the pro-life movement, I haven't really gotten any, um, I haven't got any negatives from the district at all about it. Most of the negative emails and stuff that I get come from out of state. So let's now, kind of, oh, let, uh, yeah, let's, now this lawsuit has been dismissed, I believe, and I think it's before a panel of Eighth Circuit judges. To where be you, reinstated. Yes. Right. So where do you see this going? Are, are you optimistic that oh, the, yeah. the, the, in, the appellate in, court's going to reverse? In light of what happened with Hobby Lobby, I can't see how they can't not reverse it because the original judge said that we didn't have standing, that we should mm-hmm. be suing the um, Missouri Consolidated Plan. Well, our, our lawyers went back in and made it clear that the only reason Missouri Consolidated Plan did what they did was because they were responding to the Affordable Care Act. Now the Supreme Court justices have said that Hobby Lobby has a conscience right to not provide you know, offensive abortion drugs to their employees. How can a parent not have a right? I mean, my relationship with my daughters, my wife and I's relationship with our daughters, is a lot closer than an employee-employee relationship. So I don't see how they cannot give us the same rights that they're given a corporation. Let's kind of segue back to the race between you and Representative yeah, sure. Rorta for a second. So, you know, it, it, as we mentioned before, it's going to be a very competitive race. A lot of people are paying a lot of attention to it. But a lot of people, I think, are paying attention to it because Representative Rorta has been involved in, I guess, tangentially in fundraising for for Darren Wilson, the police officer that shot Michael Brown. And Ferguson. And the, the way he's involved in it, he's, he belongs to a – a basically a, a a nonprofit that is usually involved in these types of things. Yeah, th- this is a basically an arm of the Fraternal Order of Police. Uh, Rorta is a former police officer and is and continues to be the business manager for the St. Louis Police Officers Association, and he's is on the board of this uh, charitable group. As again, that's an arm of the FOP that raises money for police officers on for different reasons depending on. The circumstances, and in this case, they set up uh, a, a charity f- to help Darren Wilson, the policeman in Ferguson. Uh, they also have taken over another uh, money raising effort for Wilson. Um, so, but so the bottom line is, he's been involved in that. He's taken some criticism for it. He thinks he also has gotten some praise for it. He says that that you have been bringing it up. That you and Republicans have been trying to make some. Uh, political hay over this. Uh, do you want to talk about that? I, there's nothing we've been doing. I've been focusing on, you know, running the race in Jefferson County, um, talking to the voters, going door to door, talking about economic issues, other issues that are on their minds. Um, I see what's going on in North County. Um, do I focus on it? No. Does it come up a lot when I go to door to door? The most it comes up is occasionally someone will say, isn't that a mess up there in North County? And I agree with them, and we go on to talking about things that are going to affect our lives in Jefferson County. So um, I'm not really engaged in what's going on up there. I think um, I think that's a situation for those people in North County to figure out. They don't need me to come up there and tell them what to do. Yeah, I guess the reason I'm mentioning it is he's taking a lot of criticism from his own party. And I don't know what impact that will have. I mean, it's possible, as Joe kind of alluded to, that it could potentially help him. It might hurt him. It may have no impact at all. But, I mean, 
you're not planning to make it a big issue, I take it? It's, it's not, I mean, it's a non-event to me. Like I said, I'm focused on what goes on in Jefferson County. Um, you know, whatever Jeff's doing outside of the county is, you know, that's his, his thing. I'm, I'm focused on Jefferson County. Have you yeah. guys had any joint appearances or debates yet? No, I don't think we, we've, well, we appear places. I mean, we're on the same um, circuit, I guess you could say. And, um, so like city yeah. fairs, <laughs> county fairs, uh, well, all that sort of thing. Actually, I'll confess, I seen Jeff yesterday at the Arnold Days after the parade, <laughs> and we went up and talked a little bit. But um, Scandal. I see him, yeah, no. I see him around um, not as much as I would think. Um, like I said, I go to a lot of events every every week in Jefferson County and and I would say maybe I run into him about once every two weeks. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, so, um, well what do you think the nature of this campaign is going to be because as Joe alluded to I mean this is the type of race where you're going to have hundreds of thousands of dollars funneled into your campaign from you know various interests the state party whatever and it really kind of means that it's going to be pretty expensive media wise. There's going to be mailers there's going to be radio TV ads it's really going to be almost a mini congressional race in many respects. Is that a right. fair assessment, or is it going to be I, something completely different? I would agree with you. Yeah. This thing's a lot bigger than I would have thought it was going to get. Yeah. So what is it What is it like campaigning for something like that, and how contentious do you think it's going to get given you know, the, the, your opponent basically has the same financial resources as you? Well, I, I think it's, it's exciting as a candidate to be involved in a race like this um, because more and more people, the more media attention you get, the more – advertising like you said through mailings television radio the more people know you the more people come up to you as you're you know going through the grocery store or the gas station and so it's more exciting um as far as contentiousness i think it's it's going to be as contentious as any other race mm-hmm. i mean that's just the way the the process works nowadays is you know you, you go out and you paint yourself as being the right person and the other person tries to paint you as being the wrong person and vice versa. Are there I mean, any, that's the nature of the politics. Are there any major Republican figures in the state or the national level who plan to come in for you, or do you know? Um, we've got um, an event scheduled with uh, Congresswoman Ann Wagner. Um, earlier in the year, we had Congressman Jason Smith and Congressman Blaine Luchtemeyer in. Um, we're still working, talking to other people. And, you know, it's, um, it's all the Republicans are on board. Yeah, I would say that, and that, to me, that's an exciting thing. Being in Jefferson County from back in 1994 till now is um, we kid around that you used to be able to take all the Republicans and put them in one room down there in Jefferson County. Um, we just yesterday we did the Arnold Days Parade, and I would say between the people that were walking the parade for candidates that were Republicans, there were probably close to 300 people there. Wow. I mean, there are a lot of Republicans now. Um, you can't fit them all in one room. And it's, it's, it's an exciting time to be a Republican in Jefferson to, County. You may be able to fit them inside a big tent. But you you kind of alluded to the fact that now Jefferson County is represented by three Republic, Republican congressmen. That was a very controversial aspect of the redistricting debate because the, the senator at the time, Ryan McKenna, strongly objected to it. And I think, and I can't read his mind, and I'm not trying to give motives to him, but, I mean, the effect of that is, Having three Republican congressmen represent a county is really going to have an impact on some of these down ballot races as far as money, organization, all sorts of things. And I think he may have seen the writing on the wall, which is why he objected to it. Do you think that could be an advantage for those various things flowing to your campaign? Yeah, I, I think the um, three congressional representatives is, is a good thing for Jefferson County, not just from a political standpoint, but as you're trying to get the county to move forward and get you know, the federal government to cooperate with projects going on in the county, we have two senators and three congresspeople. 
I can't think of another county in the United States of America that's got that kind of representation. Well, I mean, maybe like Cook County, Illinois. Or yeah, something. but this is I this is a, <laughs> a, a suburban county. Yeah. Yes, it's very. I, significant. I know what for, you're for, saying. For, yeah. the, for the size of our county, with 238,000 people in it. How many have five people in Washington you know, looking after them? Mm-hmm. So to me, I think it's a real good thing. Um, and it's fortunate that right now we have representatives you know, that happen to be Republicans in all three of them. That could change over time. I mean, we've seen Jefferson County come from one way to the other. But I'm saying right now I think it's a good thing long term for the county to have that kind of representation. Yeah, and just for the record, all this, all of this Jefferson County used to be in the district of Representative Dick Gephardt. Yep. And Russ Carnahan. Yes. Russ Carnahan. Yeah. Yep. And now, all right, I split split among three. All right, I think we're going to close this out here, yes. unless there are any final remarks. No, all I right. Don't. Well, well you, anything but from the representative. No, we're just going to keep on working hard every day. We got forty three days to go. Oh boy, and we'll get there. And <laughs> we will be covering it on our site, stlpublicradio.org. Um, to close this out, you can follow me on Twitter at, at @csmcdaniel. Jason, you can be followed. Jay Rosenbaum and Joe at Jay Manis. It's J M A N N I E S. And you can be followed as well. Um, at wheelandnow.com. Very good. Well, we'll, we will be back next week with your opponent, actually. Until then, so long. So long.